Join me in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this congregation this morning. And Father, I just pray that the eyes of our hearts would be open this morning. And Lord, you would reveal to us new things. You would reveal to us things that are of you, about you, for you, your kingdom. And Lord, that we would truly see your kingdom come in our lifetime. Father, the way that it's supposed to, because your word says it's at hand. So truly may your kingdom be at hand this morning. May we see that, experience it, and have life in the fullness of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week I was out. You had Pastor Chad Word in here. He brought the word to you. He talked about that, that our lives are supposed to be lives that are actually looking out for an audience of one, looking out for God and, and, and promoting God's gospel throughout the land. And so hopefully you, you heard what he had to say about that. And you know, we spend so much of our time trying to get approval from man. You do that. You like for people to come along, right? And say, Hey, man, that's a good job. Good message. Good, whatever. Good, 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 good. And then you have that one person that sends you that email during the week and they said, Hey, I don't know what you meant by this, but this really offended me. It really affected me. It really said this to me. It really, in other words, it just, it was terrible. And you're like, man, that really hurts. So I got 10 great sermons, and then all of a sudden you have this one person or these 10 people tell you, oh, great job, and then you have this one person that says, hey, uh, honestly, it wasn't that good. You know, don't believe your own press, that type of thing. And, and so, and it, and it puts a damper in our hearts. It, it dampens our lives. And so what we have to remember is that really we just have an audience of one, and we do our best for the Lord. Matter of fact, the scripture says, do your work as unto who? Unto man? No, it says, do your work as unto the Lord, looking for his approval. Jesus said it this way, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? That's John chapter 5. He also says this in Luke chapter 16, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. And so detestable in the sight of God, that means that when we're looking for the favorability of man, that it can be detestable in God's sight. And sometimes we go above and beyond to oppress man, impress man instead of impressing God and doing things for his kingdom so that's going to roll right into what we have to say and teach about today because today I'm going to be telling you about investments and proper investment strategy did you love that I mean some of you are sitting there saying you know I can remember a time in my life when she was so pretty and she came walking by and I just went whoo man I wonder if she'll ever notice little old me and then you went out of your way and, and you bought some roses. Okay, maybe you're not that cheesy. Maybe you went out of your way and, and you said, hey, can we grab lunch sometime? And she's like, sure, I'd love to have lunch. So you take her to Subway. And, and you go to Subway and you're sitting across the table and you're like, wow, she is so pretty. She's just got it all together. She's so smart. She's, she's all these things. A month goes by and you buy her a rose. Then you find out when her birthday is. Then you find out who her parents are. 
and, you, and, and you're pouring your life, you're making this, this huge investment, then you have this huge wedding, and it's just beautiful, and you spend all this money, and then a year later you're going, why did I make this investment? Jeez, I didn't know she came with all this, right? And she's over there going, man, I'm glad I didn't spend all that money on me. I'm just kidding. But we've all made investments, right? And we've all made mistakes through investments. You know, I was looking through Forbes magazine the other day. They had the top 100 quotes on just investment strategies and different things that have come up. And, and Ralph Waldo Emerson is found on there. He says, money oftentimes costs too much. Meaning that we spend so much time, energy, and effort chasing the money tree. It just costs too much. Benjamin Franklin said this, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Well, we know that our God is full of knowledge and wisdom and that when we make that investment in Him, spend that time with Him, and, and then we get knowledge, we get wisdom. And that's going to have a return at some point in time in our life. Winston Churchill said this, he said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. few of us woke up this morning saying, hey, I wonder what I could give to life today. And as you wake up this morning saying, oh, Lord, I can't wait for today. What can I give of my life in this day? What can I invest? Lord, what strategy would you have for me to make an eternal investment in your kingdom today that would return 30, 60, 100 fold? Most of us woke up this morning going, oh, it's Sunday. How did it get here so quickly? We just had spring break. Man, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Holy cow. You know what? We got church today. Man, what am I going to wear? I mean, obviously, that was first on my mind. <laughs> I wear the same thing every week. So, so here we go. Jesus has a lot to say about investment and having an investment strategy. Understanding that, that in this life, He wants us to be blessed. He wants our life to be fulfilled. He's given us ways for this to happen. And when He's sitting on the side of that mountain, and then all of these people are out there at His feet, and He's teaching them, He's teaching them about investments. How to invest your time. How to strategically place your life in the right places at the right times to make the most impact on the short amount of time that you have. He's teaching. He says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. If we were to ask you today, what's your treasure? What do you treasure? What was the first thing on your mind this morning when you awakened from that horrifying dream that you were having? Or maybe that wonderful dream that you were having? You know, what do you treasure? What, what do the eyes of your heart see, church? It's amazing to me because Satan has a strategy as well. So God has an investment strategy, and this is his, his investment strategy says it should return 30, 60, 100 fold. Life should be fulfilled. I came to you that you might have life and have it abundantly, have a fulfilled life. But Satan also had as a strategy out there. And what Satan is looking at is he wants to divert God's strategy in your life. And so what he wants you to think about is just simply today. I'm going to get mine today. It's going to happen right now. 
We live in the microwave society. Man, how can I just eat for the moment and not worry about tomorrow and not, not think about tomorrow, not th- think about God's kingdom, but only think of my kingdom? You see, Satan has this investment strategy. He's trying to exchange some things in us. He would like to see us make, make decisions for our kids based upon things and the amount of things that they have. The iPad. You don't need the 8 gig anymore, you need the 16 gig, because 8 gig, it won't run as many programs or as many games or the, the fancy car games that the kids want to play or whatever games they play. you got to get the 16. No, the 16 is not big enough. Let's move over here to the 32 gig. Let's, let's get the computers and, and let's get the right clothes and let's have the right shoes and let's have the right look because after all our kids need to fit in and, and let's get them what they want so that way when they have it for the short amount of time that it'll entertain them, it will keep them from me. And they'll still love me anyway because I've exchanged. I've exchanged a lot of money. I've dropped a lot of dough going their way. See, Satan tries to convince us that, 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 that will be good for our children, that after all, they'll have it better than what you had it growing up. I can remember a time in my own life when I was growing up, my dad said, hey, one of these days, son, I'm going to make you a, a little game that we had as a kid, and, and you run these races with this stick, and you chase these, these uh, old wheels off bicycles. And he, had a, he took the, the lid of a can, nailed it to a stick, and then folded it around where you could run a wheel around like this. That doesn't sound like much. But I can remember him building it and me thinking he was a genius. Wow, I'm going to be able to chase a wheel around like that? Dad, you are awesome. Yeah, you should have made me one of those years ago. I'd have been an expert by today. Right? But, but what was I looking at? What a kid really needs is your time. See, Satan wants you to believe that you can exchange your time for gifts, for things, things of this world, and that they will fulfill your kids, their deepest desires, their deepest needs, when in reality it's a lie. Even the secular people, as they watch life long enough, they begin to understand this. Harry Chapin wrote a famous song. Watch these words. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. He said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be like him. You see, Satan has a strategic plan where we invest in things that will not matter. Our children will still be raised as orphans. Look, if we're not there, if our time is stolen from them. Jesus wants us to pay attention to the investments that we make. James, Jesus' brother, said this, Life is but a breath, a vapor. It goes by so quickly. In the last week, I did something I never do. I went to the doctor. And I, I just don't go to the doctor, but I actually went to the doctor because I was so looking forward to spring break because I had sequestered that time for my family. 
And I wanted time with my family because it seems like if anything is robbed from me or from us today, it's time. And so I couldn't wait to get them all in the pickup truck and hook up to the boat and head to Del Rio, Lake Amistad, tear it up. So I'm so excited, I'm so pumped, now I'm running a fever, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm, I'm, I'm aching, and I'm like, I just can't do this, I'm not going to let this be stolen from me. So I go to the doctor, the doctor goes over my stuff, and this is what she says, she said, you don't like coming to the doctor, do you? I said, no, she said, you haven't been to the doctor in five years. I said, that's right, and I said, now let me tell you what I need from you. I said, I need a shot. Just give me a shot, break this thing, my immune system will pick up, and I'll be good to go. She goes, wow, you have it all figured out, don't you? And so she let me think on that for like 30 more minutes, sitting in the office. And then she comes back in a little bit later and said, well, all your tests came back negative for this, 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 and this. So um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a CPAC, and, and you'll start with two pills tonight. And da, 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 da. I said, I don't want pills. Just give me a shot. She said, I'm the doctor. You're a preacher. You do your job, I'll do my job. But I was so concerned about it because I was concerned about something stealing my opportunity for an investment, a kingdom investment in my children's lives. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about investments here. He's sitting on the side of the mountain, and as he's sitting, sitting on the side of this mountain, he says these words. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Have you ever set up on this earth your treasures? You know, as a kid, the only thing I wanted was a trophy. I mean, I'd go around to other kids my age, and they all had trophies. But since I was raised on the farm and so far out, I couldn't play baseball in the summertime. It was a summer sport. Summer sports were out for me. So, uh, you know, it, it just, I would, I wanted to be in BMX racing. One of my buddies had raced his bicycle and he had all these trophies. And this is what I knew. I could beat him. If he got all those trophies, I know I'd outride that boy. Right? But that's what you want. You want these trophies. You want people to see your accomplishments in this life. But this is what Jesus says. Don't store up treasures there. Moths and rust will eventually destroy those things. Thieves can break in and steal those things from you. Verse 20. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. If you go back and study what, what you find about this scripture, this isn't in my notes, but I read a commentary on this years ago, and you find out that in their dwelling places, they oftentimes kept their treasures in the back of their dwelling. And, and they would oftentimes even have to crawl back there to the back part of their little dwelling place where they kept these treasures, the things that were most precious to them, the things that, that their hearts uh, just loved. And so whatever treasures they might have, they would have these little dugouts that were behind their dugout, if you will. And the thieves would actually dig them out from the back. They would come in, out at night, and they, they knew what those would house. They would house some type of treasures, family heirlooms. And they would oftentimes be stolen from the back. And he said, hey, don't hoard up for yourself those things because they're susceptible to this life. And life is fleeting. Those things, too, will be fleeting. But what you need to do is pay attention to the treasures in heaven, the eternal things. 
He goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, both God and wealth. Now, a couple things I like to say about this scripture. One is that God and wealth both have the power to get you to serve them. Some of us serve them, uh, serve wealth through debt. You know, in our culture today, it's very common credit cards or your credit or whatever, whatever life hands you. Uh, is just for today. And so the enemy's strategy is to say, hey, spend all you can while you can right now. As if there is no tomorrow, you better spend it all. So we tend to live our lives this way. I, uh, a year or so ago, I called down and said, hey, you know, uh, my wife's needing a car. And, and so I was just wondering, I wanted to get pre-approved and I hadn't done anything with a bank in years. I've not financed a vehicle in years. And so the banker calls me back a little bit later, and she goes, this is what she told me. She said, oh, your credit score is incredible. You can go out and buy whatever you want. I said, well, what can I afford? She said, well, you can't afford much, but you can buy whatever you want. (laughs) Right? And then what does that do? That robs me of my tomorrow. It's not a wise investment. See, Jesus makes a point here. He says, hey, you have these eyes that lead you to a destination. In your eyes, if they are full of light, they're going to lead you to a destination that's full of light. A a place that's full of light is full of life. It's life-giving. But if your heart is full of darkness, if your eyes, if your spiritual eyes lead you to a place of darkness, look, what I read in this is oftentimes addictions and things like that. Where do they lead us? They lead us to a place that is dark, a destination that we never intended to arrive at. It robs you of things. It's the enemy's strategy to make investments in things that are going to rob you of life. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to make investments that are going to lead you to life, lead you to a great place. See, we have eyesight and we have heart sight. As we use our eyesight to organize our path, so we use our heart sight to organize our life. My body goes where my eyes are looking. Very seldom do I go backwards, and when I do, it's trouble. Right? <laughs> I was just thinking of something funny that happened years ago. We were rising a guy, and he was looking back at us and walking and he walked right into a pole on the sidewalk you ever seen anybody do that it is comical because our eyes are supposed to be looking forward not behind and the eyes of our heart do the same we organize our life with the eyes of our heart and my body's supposed to go to that place if my eyesight is bad i cannot direct and organize my path my body follows my eyes And Jesus is making a point here, look, and in that, what your eyes and your heart see in that, they are to lead you to a place that is a great investment. See, we'll begin to see people as investment possibilities. 
for his kingdom. That has a return 30, 60, 100 fold. We'll begin to hold everyone in a valuable way. This is why it's so important that we get this because when he starts talking about and pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, I don't like to pray for those who persecute me unless I say, hey, Lord, bring down your thunder, bam! Right? I like to pray for my enemies that way, but he's saying, no, no, I need you to get some eyes in your heart that see them the way I see them so that you can hold them in a valuable way. Even if they are your enemy, I don't need them to be mine. See, if the light in us is darkness, then we organize life around that source of darkness, around mammon, around always trying to not just keep up with the Joneses, but make sure that we surpass the Joneses or anyone else in that matter. Mammon is the material world. It simply means we believe that this earth and all that it contains is our rewarder, that it will be our source, our provider, that it will be our sustainer. But in reality, it has to be the Lord. God is the one that gave us life. You didn't do it. Your parents didn't do it. God did it. Mammon is darkness because it will eventually fail us. You know, when I was growing up in high school, your truck was your identity. It's, it's really not that way anymore. You know, I asked my son, what do you want to drive? And he's like, yeah, I don't care, Dad. I said, okay, that Toyota Camry out there that I drive has got 240,000 miles on be just prime for you right but when we were growing up back in the day back in the 80s right Chevy short bed was the truck to have and you wanted a toolbox and you wanted a headache rack and you wanted rails on that thing and you needed the box and you needed you needed kickers in the back you needed the back seats or the the seats jumping you know I mean that's the way we that's the way we rode it's not that way today, I know, but back in the day, it was your identity. But my first truck, bless Lee's heart, he gave it to me. It was a 72 Chevy Love. He said, if I come get it and drag it home, it's mine. So I was about 13, 14 years old. I drug it home. Dad and I, well, we put it in the barn. We overhauled that thing, and we bondoed it, and we shined it up. And, man, this thing was just looking awesome. We painted it. It was white on top and blue on the bottom. It, it had a, I put air horns on it. I'm talking about the truck horns, like, mwah. Then I'd pull in the high school parking lot and just, mwah. You know, it was awesome. But it was a 72 Chevy Love. Where is that truck today? Where is my identity today? What would my identity look like in a 72 Chevy Love today? Praise God. My identity is in Christ today. You see, there's so many things after our attention saying, if you just have this, if you could just get this, then you would attain something in life that you would actually, this life would support you. But Jesus is saying that's the wrong investment here. I want to show you what his investments look like, investments that, that create life in you, investment that leads you to a great destination, investments that have 30, 60, 100-fold return. Who wouldn't want to invest in that one? That's better than Microsoft 20 years ago. That's, that, that's better than Dell. That's better than, than Office Depot. And you laugh, but 
Some of you invested in that 20, 30 years ago and know that was a good one. You see, one of these investments will bring us to a place of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, but the other one creates anxiety and distress. It destroys immune systems because we worry, how am I going to get that next dollar? What's that going to look like? How am I going to be provided for when Jesus is saying, hey, come to me. I'll show you, I'll give you direction for life. It's not that your hands will ever grow idle. I'll just enrich the places that your hands touch and toil and labor for. And you'll begin to see things as you labor and as you do those things. You'll see things the way I see them and I will prosper it right before you. But it may not be for you. You may have a heart to give it to someone or somewhere else. Mark Rutland, he's a former president of ORU. He wrote, in a, he wrote this in an Amish kitchen in Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. He said this. He said, I was there in the heart of Dutch country. I saw a sign that I'll never forget. This is what it said. It said, too soon old, too late smart. When I saw it, I thought it was memorable. It was it was that word, M-E-M-O-R-A-B-L-E. Memorable, thank you. <laughs> and when I saw it, I thought it was memorable, but hardly meaningful. I was 21 at the time. Now the words are meaningful, but I can barely remember the farmhouse. I'm 64. See, re-identifying my true treasure. Jesus is saying, hey, look, I want to give you a strategy. I want you to see some things here because you guys are worried about building, building and uh, all of these places to house your treasures when in reality, moths and rust will destroy those things. It's only temporary. I want you to begin to see things eternally the way I see them. Earthly treasures, by their very nature, are difficult to keep intact. They are susceptible to moths, rust, and thieves. Yet, it's amazing how we serve them. What is a heavenly treasure? The most important commandment that, that Jesus gives us, you know, he's asked, what, what's the most important? And Jesus says this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus eventually spends this deal. He, he says, hey, look, if you'll focus, if you'll emphasize, if this will become a treasure of your heart, then, then great destinations await you and great returns on your investments await you. To love the Lord your God. It would mean to protect and to aid Him in His purposes. And then, I'll begin to see people the way I should see them. I will begin to treasure my neighbors as He loves and treasures them. Jesus' strategy, the greatest treasure I have is that in this life I can stand with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is Trinity, would lead the eyes of my heart to the investments that will have eternal consequences which are great consequences. They're good and bad. And these are great. So the Trinity. I broke this down a little bit because I believe that when we seek Him first, who is Him? 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. I mean, we're not talking about a separate, different God. We're, we're, we're not even three entities in God. It's difficult for our human brain to wrap around this. But if I were to talk to you about you, you have a physical body. You have a spirit that lives within you. And, and, and so we can easily understand God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because the other thing is, if you're young, if you're a child, great. If you're old, at one time you were a child. If you're a father or a mother, then you understand the paternal instincts of a God who so loved his son and sent his son so that he might have sons and daughters. So he, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are created in that image where we have an understanding. So when, when we love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I want us to see something. We love the Trinity, the Father. The eyes of my heart need to look to the Father because the Scripture says His eyes are roaming this earth seeking those whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. Chronicles. That's what He says. My eyes roam and I'm looking for my children. And, and, and those that are investing in that, in me, I'm looking to give them a wonderful, blessed return. God the Father, we can identify with that. We can identify with having a loving, heavenly paternity, a paternal father, a, 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 a man or a God who, who so engulfs us and loves us. Now, when I say man, I'm just saying the creator of man. Years ago, I, I was told that uh, our associate pastor in Arizona, he was told actually to take out all the references to God the Father out of the hymnal tragic what a terrible job i would have failed at it i don't like to read that much i mean i like to read i read a lot but i mean the hymnal we're like oh, to god be the glory. anyway i have no idea where i'm going but this is what he, he was asked to do here's why because some of you didn't have good earthly fathers and so when you think of God the Father, you may say, man, if he's anything like my father, my father was a jerk. My father left when I was 11. My father was abusive. My father had all these bad habits. My father did this, this, and this. Listen, there is no earthly father that was perfect. This is God the Father we're talking about. And he is perfect. And he is divine. And the neat thing about him is that he loves his children. The scripture says God is love. Anything less than that is not God. We're not orphans. We have a Father. And my Heavenly Father is perfect, and His loving hand will guide my decisions. He'll pick me up when I fail, and He'll offer His love at all times. Luke chapter 15 talks about a father who loves his son, but his son says, I don't love you anymore. I don't love you right now. He takes all of his inheritance. He runs away. He, he loses it all. He's eating with the pigs. And he says, wouldn't I have been better as a slave? back at my father's house and the scripture says that he turns he starts to come back and this is what it says and his father ran out to meet him that tells me that his father was looking waiting for his son's return see when we say to love the lord our god with all of our heart soul mind and strength we need to see his love for us 
and we will love him all the more. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will discipline us. But his mercy and grace will get us to the things that are important and the investments that are important in this life. And then there's the son. The more, you know, I, I said this uh, a few weeks ago in the men's, in our brave hearts. But I said, the more you understand about the lamb, the louder the line of the tribe of Judah will roar within you. When we see the son for who he is, we keep our eyes fixed upon him. Hebrews says, keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So when we talk about to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're talking about Jesus too. That second entity in the Trinity, the Son. And as we listen to him, as we learn from him, as we watch how he walked through this life, we are taught how to do it ourselves, how to grow up in Christ. How, how our faith will be strengthened. Not only do we experience God's love as a father, but we will experience his love through his son. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves his love for us. And we will be compelled then to walk this life as Christ would have us walk. And then there's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our heart. The Holy Spirit empowers us, not just infills us. You know, we, we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but we also have the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I like to say this, the Holy Spirit has two arms. One is the indwelling or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but we also have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So no addiction. So, so nothing in this life can overtake you. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we need to just wake up in the mornings and say this, Welcome Holy Spirit. Lead my life today, Holy Spirit. You ever pray to the Holy Spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. We pray to God the Father. But you ever pray to the Holy Spirit? He's, he's teaching us. He's showing us. He is our empowerment to live through this day as victors and not victims. So that we make good kingdom investments that have that return. See, the treasures in heaven are now because we have entered his kingdom that are here. They, they are here. They are present now. They're at hand. You know, think about this. Romans chapter 14 says this. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you have righteousness in your life today? Yes, through the Son. Do you have peace today? Yes, I have peace today. Do I have the Holy Spirit, righteousness, peace, and joy? Do I have joy today? I should have joy. But I got up this morning, I was like, oh my goodness. Whoo! Spring break's almost over. I don't feel any more rested than when it began. We need to find that joy, and we find that joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Healing, deliverance, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, all those things will be added to you. See, if our hearts are full of light, we organize life around the source of that light, God and His kingdom, and we'll begin to make kingdom investments. I don't know what yours would be. I can tell you a story about what that looks like. I, a, a man who loved God and sought out His kingdom first, who, who learned to love himself, and, and he learned to, 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 to store up divine goodness in his life, a, a man who learned how to love people. 
a, a man who, who really impacted my life years ago. Alice and I did a revival in some small town. I don't even remember the town that we were in. And this man comes and he says, hey, uh, the second night he said, would you baptize me? And we baptized him, come to find out he lives in Lubbock. And, and we started a relationship. His name was Bruce. And, and Bruce, he, he, he was an amazing man of God. But he had terminal cancer. He was in his mid-50s <coughs> at the time. And he started coming to church, and he said, Curtis, the cool thing about the church here is that I don't know how many ceiling tiles y'all have in this church. And I said, what does that have to do with anything? He said, well, all the churches I've been to in the past, it never spoke to me. I didn't have the Holy Spirit, or I never felt like I was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I would just sit in there, and I'd just count the ceiling tiles. Life has changed for me. I, I would, on Wednesday nights, get to my office, and he'd have a fish from Rockfish, I mean, at my desk, a whole meal laid out, tilapia and all kinds of stuff that I've never eaten in my life. He wanted me to eat healthy. He said, God's got a plan and a purpose for you, Curtis. I just, I'm supposed to support that. He bought a blood, blood pressure cuff for me. Because I guess I looked like I was going to blow my cork at some point in time. But, but he, he did all kinds of things for me, but it didn't stop there. Bruce said, hey, Curtis, you're at the hospitals every day. I'm going to create a hospital visitation team. He created a hospital visitation team. Two people, seven days a week, went to the hospital. He trained them. He put manuals together. He blew through that church. He was a, an amazing man. He found his passion, and his reward was great, 30, 60, 100-fold. People came to know our church just through the hospital visitation. Well, I don't know who they were, but they came by and prayed for us. We thought we'd come and attend your church. Is, we had people come. One day in a Methodist church, y'all, denominational church, one day we baptized 21 people. Amazing. God was on the move, and He was on the move through Bruce. Others caught the vision. Others today still carry the vision. Others are still returning, having a huge return on Bruce's investment. I feel like I'm one of them. He showed me how to love, how to care. I saw him catch on fire. It fired me up all the more. As God wants us to see that what He has for us is great. That our eyes and our heart, needs to, they need to be enlightened to see things, to, to experience things, to do things for His kingdom. The Apostle Paul said this to the church at Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness and his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. My prayer would be that God would open the eyes.